0: hey what's up everybody my name is tristan i'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus podcast this is a podcast that's going to change your life i need you guys to watch all the way to the end but first hit that subscribe button share this with a friend like and comment let's get into this okay in three two one what's up everybody welcome to episode 29 of the Novus church podcast y'all today is an exciting day um So we had Taylor Jenkins on and incredible moment. Um, Well, today y'all, we're having his wife on and she is fantastic. Like uh, I've gotten to know her and Taylor over the past month or so. And um, we have been like, helping them launch a church like it's incredible god's been flowing uh during worship me and chris have actually been uh leading worship on these little community nights like she's a pastor a prophet um and she's writing a book right now um and like we have these things on sunday where the lord uh just moves and we have these little um community lunch breakfast things and we just worship god and have a word Um, And Carissa, like when she speaks, it's like uh, everything has to listen because she just has this fire on her that the Lord has just uh, imparted to her. And y'all, I just want to get into this. She has a message for us. And uh, I want to introduce you guys to Carissa Jenkins. Welcome.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me, Tristan. This is an honor Um, for anybody that knows Tristan and knows what he puts his hand to. um, It's an honor and privilege to be a part of what you're doing, my husband and I love you dearly, and uh, just value the gift of God in you so much. So I'm excited to to be here and and talk to all of y'all today. Um, I was talking to Tristan beforehand about, you know, sometimes the Lord will kind of put something on your heart, a theme, or um, just a truth within his word. and we want to get away from it so quickly. We mm-hmm. just, oh, I understand. I've learned, and I'm just ready for the next thing. And uh, the Lord's really had this topic of destiny on my heart for several months now. I can't seem to get away from it. So, uh, when I was preparing and kind of asking the Lord what he wanted me to share today, I kept coming back to this place. And so I'm just going to be obedient and do that.
0: Yes. Um,
1: but I love the idea of destiny and the truth of destiny in God. And when I say destiny, I, I mean, purpose, um, what God has ultimately destined us to do in this day and in this hour and in the earth as a whole. And so, um, for me purpose is a very special thing and it's meant to be engaged with on a day-to-day basis and we see this first and foremost this idea and this truth of reality or this reality rather of destiny in jeremiah you know we quote this a lot but in jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 the lord comes to him with a message and says i knew you before i formed you in your mother's womb before you were born i set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations Mm -hmm. from the very get-go There's a gift placed into every son and daughter of God, and it's a deposit from heaven. And I believe that that destiny, that gift that's placed in us is something that's meant to be drawn on, on a daily basis. You know, sometimes when we think about destiny, I think we put it off just out of arm's reach and we think, oh, well, someday when I, I'm more experienced or when I don't struggle and, and someday when I know it all, like then, then I'll be in my place of destiny. Then I'll have arrived, you know? For some of us, it might be, well, when I have a position at at that church or in this ministry, then I'll be in my destiny. Or for some of us, it might be, well, it's this title in the workplace or a a dollar amount that we desire to earn yearly. There's this idea that our destiny is so far out of reach and that it's just not something that's attainable on a daily basis. And I want to propose that it's actually opposite of that. Uh, We know very true that the kingdom of God is upside down. Uh, we had a Messiah come and people were expecting an iron fist and he washed feet instead. Everything is is flipped upside down. Power is humility. Leadership is, is being a servant. And so I believe that destiny is something that is meant to be engaged with every single day because it's at the core of who God created you to be. And that's such a special thing. And so um, as I began to kind of think about what that looks like, Even in the story of Jeremiah, there's a really powerful story of creation that takes place when God makes every single one of his children. You know, I liken it to building a house and you think, okay, I want a really big living room. All of the blueprints are mapped out around that one idea. And in the same regard, when God made us, he placed a gift into each of us and he built the rest of us around it to house that gift of heaven so that when we were in the earth and walking in the earth, we'd be able to engage with that and do it just as he created us to. And so something I love so much about destiny is it also accepts the invitation to co-labor with God. You know, sometimes, especially in like a worldly mentality, we think, okay, well, when I want to achieve my goals and my dreams, then I'm going to grind it out. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to make it work. And please hear me. There are, it is, great to do things with excellence, with discipline, doing things is unto the Lord. Those are not things that we should negate or desire to do it, you know, out of a, a halfway heart. But the idea of destiny and God is actually accepting his invitation to co-labor with us. He doesn't expect us to figure it out on our own or um, have all of the answers right as he calls on us. And this is another thing we see in Jeremiah, um, right after the Lord kind of commissions him to be a prophet to the nations we see down in uh, verse 11, then the Lord said to me, look, Jeremiah, what do you see? There comes this wonderful exchange between the father and Jeremiah, where Jeremiah begins to get these prophetic pictures. And, you know, this is early day prophet ministry for him. He doesn't maybe know what any of these things mean. And so the Lord is walking him through these prophetic pictures and giving him their, um, their meaning and their interpretation. And so Jeremiah begins to see these pictures and the Lord asks him, well, what do you see? And he says, oh, well, I see a tree and a branch. And he goes down all of these things and the Lord begins to give him the um, interpretation and the meaning of what he's experiencing. And I love that because it's a beautiful representation of co-laboring with God when it comes to our destinies. He doesn't expect us to know it all, but he sees us for who we are long before we do. Because for Jeremiah, his first inclination when he was called a prophet to the nations was, I'm too young. He discounted himself right away. I'm too young. There's no way that I could be a prophet to the nations. But God kind of corrects him and says, don't say that you're too young. I've anointed you. And I think sometimes when we think about destiny in our own lives, we only see us for what we see us as. So, oh, well, you're called to um, a healing ministry. Oh, me? Who wants me to lay hands on them when, you know, some big hero of the faith would probably be much more desirable, but God doesn't think like that. He doesn't work like that. And there's different giftings and there's different anointings. That's a hundred percent. But what I love so much is God didn't see Jeremiah as a prophet only after he started prophesying. God saw Jeremiah as a prophet in his mother's womb. So sometimes when we think about destiny, we think, oh, well, I have to arrive. I have to have it all figured out. I have to know all the answers and I can't slip up. I can't show any signs of of not knowing what to do, but we serve a kingdom that's upside down. And God looks at Jeremiah and says, I'll walk you through it all. He says, I'll go with you. I'll teach you what to say. I'll be with you as you go into every place that I've sent you. And it's a beautiful picture of co-laboring, but it's also a beautiful picture of God seeing things so much higher than we see them. You know, destiny in God is something that is meant to be engaged with on a daily basis, not because we've arrived, but because we were created to do so. There's a gift in each one of us. Our whole lives were, our whole beings were created around that gift How's the gift of God. And um, I, I think this, this instance with Jeremiah brought me so much clarity because when I thought about destiny in God or where I would end up one day, I was petrified that well, what if I don't know what to do? What if I don't know where to start? How am I supposed to achieve these grand plans that God has for all of his children if I don't even know where to begin? But God doesn't expect us to figure it all out on our own. There's so much grace for us and there's so much direction by the Holy Spirit to take those plans the Father has, to find um, our direction in the word, which Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. And then there's an invitation by the Holy Spirit to take him at those words and to walk us through it on a daily basis. And I think back to um, Luke chapter 15, when it comes to this idea of destiny and purpose in God, we're given three different parables. And I I love this. Luke's gospel is so interesting because he is writing um, to Theophilus, which from how he addresses him, we know he's probably a government official. And, uh, so he's, a he's been hearing about Jesus and Luke says, Hey, I've done my research of all these accounts of Christ. I'm putting them all in one place for you. So, you know, you can weed out what is true about Jesus and what is not. And in that, you know, Luke being a, a physician, he's very, um, accurate and he's very on point. And so we don't just get one parable. Uh, we get three in this chapter that talk about purpose and talk about, um, taking up a space. And so, First, we see the parable of the lost sheep. Secondly, we see the parable of the lost coin. And thirdly, we see the parable of the lost son. Now, in each of these uh, parables, the theme remains the same, that somebody has a certain amount of something, but a certain percentage is missing. And that that percentage that's missing is actually something that grabs the person's attention. Um, I began to talk to the Lord just in in my heart about, okay, you know, destiny, um, what, what causes people to run from destiny. And he reminded me of my own story. I, I grew up in a pastor's home, the most just spot on integrable leaders. Um, I found God to be faithful in the four walls of my home. Um, my parents practiced what they preached. They were, um, and are continue to be wonderful people who just have laid down their lives for the kingdom. But regardless of that, and knowing from an early age that I was called to share the gospel, I developed my own plans, and although I still lived according to the word of God and I remained in close proximity to him, I kind of leaned more on the side of, I don't want to co-labor. I just kind of want to plow my own way and do things that make me feel comfortable, um, things that emphasize my natural giftings, and my natural strengths. And so although I knew I was called to share the gospel, I began to entertain other options. I had different giftings that I thought, well, I could pursue this and I'd be really happy. And I could combine these two passions and and do something and and make something of myself. And um, the Lord began to remind me when it comes to purpose, he's so gracious in that there's seed time and harvest. Um, And I believe, like I've said several times, that destiny is meant to be engaged with on a daily basis but there are also seasons of pruning and maturing and growing that are so wonderful and so necessary. They don't always feel wonderful, but in the grand scheme of things, they are so wonderful because it's the grace of God that prunes us back for healthier regrowth. And so this principle of seed time and harvest, you know, and destiny, I believe that there will be greater levels of glory. You know, the Bible talks about going from glory to glory, faith to faith. I believe on this journey of destiny, that is just one straight shot of obedience. It's not little like footpaths of like, oh, I want to get to point A to point B, and then point B to point C. Destiny is a straight shot of obedience in God. It is a constant yes and amen. It is you have my agreement, whether you send me or ask me to stay or or whatever you say for me, you have my yes the whole way. And um, this idea of seed time and harvest, when it comes to destiny, then means we will always be engaging with the destiny on our lives, but it might look differently than we imagine. You know, we always think about the mountaintop, but God thinks about every step that leads up there. And um, I was actually talking to somebody the other day, you know, the first time we hear about seed time and harvest, um, I don't even really have to turn there, but it's in um, Genesis 8, 22. And basically the Lord is like, I'm never going to destroy the earth again. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. And I was talking to somebody the other day and the Lord had asked them to make a really big step of faith, um, about two years ago. And just now they're starting to see some of the fruit of that step of faith. And we were just kind of talking about, you know, where their heart was in the process, what it was like to kind of walk out that season. And they were like, you know, I'm so glad to see the harvest, but I do kind of wonder why I was in a place for it. An extended period of time before I saw any harvest. Like, why couldn't I have just made that leap of faith right before the harvest, like sprouted up? And I think so many of us find ourselves in that place. I have time and time again where you're just kind of plowing the the ground, you're tilling the soil, and when you start to see the harvest, you're like, oh my goodness! Imagine what it would have been like if I only would have been here for a short amount of time and saw harvest. Like, it could have saved myself heartache and. And hard relational things and and different um, external situations in a time of seed time before the harvest comes. And I really felt like in my spirit, because you know, sometimes we say things out of our mouths that we've never thought about before, that we've never come to a conclusion on by our own, things that are maybe way, may, may maybe way wiser than what we'd normally be able to say ourselves. And so I knew it was the spirit of the Lord. But I started talking to her about seed time and harvest and I told her, you know, when we begin to plant and we begin to sow into the ground for an eventual harvest, the seed time is when we learn the field. Seed time is when we get comfortable with the place God has put us so that when harvest comes, it doesn't crush us. You know, if I had a field and I, I hired somebody and I had them come out the day before harvest, they would be like, okay, where should I start? How do I get all of this in time to make sure nothing goes to waste? Harvest can crush somebody when they negate seed time. Seed time is when we learn the field. Seed time is when we become aware of our circumstances so that when harvest comes, we are effective, we're ready. Nothing is gonna go to waste. Nothing is going to be forgotten. And so there's this beautiful reality of seed time and harvest when it comes to destiny. It's something that we can engage with and pull on every single day, but it's also something that might look different season to season. Because there'll be times of planting and there'll be times of harvest. There'll be times of pruning and times of regrowth. But all of it is used in this beautiful picture of destiny and purpose in the kingdom of God. And one thing that's really interesting, going back to Luke 15, the prodigal son is a story of seed time and harvest. You know, we look at the prodigal son and, you know, it's really easy to to kind of judge where he was at. Um, But if you kind of zoom out a little bit, you can begin to see if he had just stayed in his father's house for a little while longer, everything that he desired would have probably happened. Um, The story of the prodigal son is really this fork in the road between purpose and ease. Which one do we want to be led by? Do we want to be led by purpose or do we want to be led by ease? Because in his father's home, the prodigal son had a purpose. And we see, we can kind of deduce from the father's home, if he was able to give away half of his wealth and keep servants, and then when the son comes home, throw a feast, he's probably a pretty well off man, he probably did pretty well for himself. And this son, if he just waited, and had the seasons of maturing and pruning, when that inheritance came to him after his father's death, he would have been able to uphold it, instead of spend it all on what one translation calls riotous living. And um, the purpose of destiny in the story of the prodigal son for me, at least as I um, was reading through this was truly just, if we're willing to stay the course with God in destiny, if we're willing to stay the course in seed time and harvest, when harvest comes, it will be the blessing and not the burden. It will be the thing that builds us, not the thing that crushes us. And I think so often we kind of want to negate that seed time. We really just want, we want to be used by God and it's not always out of a bad place. Sometimes people want to negate seed time for pride or for uh, ease, like the prodigal son. But some people are just so zealous for the Lord that they're like, I don't want to wait anymore. Just use me, use me to the full capacity. I, I want to preach to arenas. I want to preach in these giant crusades all around the world. And those are such wonderful desires and such wonderful motivations. But the Lord sees destiny not just as the mountaintops, He sees it as everything in between. And if we're willing to, lock in with him in those seasons of seed time, when harvest comes, it becomes a thing that we are better equipped to uphold and better equipped to handle. And so I think sometimes when we think about destiny, it becomes this thing that we, um, we really want right now and we can engage with it right now, but it might look differently than we think, but there's so much grace in the process, the process of it all, because his timing equals lasting fruit. Um, for our timing, we, we kind of want instant gratification. We want to uh, know we're on the right path. We want to have all the answers figured out. But in an upside down kingdom, we're not after the quick fruit. We're after the lasting fruit. Um, and I kind of liken it to, to this. When you begin your journey in destiny with God, and, and what I mean by that is just surrendering every single day of your life for his kingdom and for his glory, um, it can be easy to start to see harvest and not be super impressed with it. You know, if I were to plant an apple tree in my yard in the proper time, I don't know what time of the year that would be, but if I were to plant a tree and I see the first apple and I go up and I look at it and it's like smaller than I wanted, and maybe it's not as vibrantly red as I wanted, it would be so foolish if I took that apple and just like threw it across my yard out of like discouragement. But people do that all the time with destiny and God. He begins to work things in us and grow things in us. And we begin to see harvest, even if it's on a small level, but because it's not a tree full of red apples, we think, "Ugh, I don't want this. I want the big, I want the end goal. I want it all. But what God is teaching us is seed time and harvest. And every bit of it is just as important to him. You know, I think sometimes we look for these big milestone moments and we think we negate the small moments for the big ones but we really should know that all the little ones create the big moments those little calls from the lord that i need you to go pray for this person this is what the father is seeing over this person those little moments lead up to the monumental ones and so we have to be really careful to not negate the the small fruit or the the beginning harvest or the seed time itself just because we want the big monumental moments we have to know that god is in everything he is in every bit of the process And I think for me, the greatest level of encouragement in this walk of faith is that I don't have to do it alone. I don't have to know it all. I don't have to to feel like I've understood everything to be effective or useful by God or or through God. And, you know, we even see this with Apollos and Acts, you know, he only knew of John's baptism, and yet he's in the synagogues preaching with enthusiasm, boldness, and accuracy and because he was so faithful to share what he knew, even, only, even though it was only a little bit, God brought him greater revelation and greater knowledge concerning the kingdom through Priscilla and Aquila. They were drawn to him because he was so uh, enthusiastic. And even though he didn't know it all, he just wanted to share. He wanted to tell people all that he knew. And so I think when it comes to destiny, you might wonder, where do I even start? Where do I even begin? I would encourage you the same way the angel of the Lord encouraged Gideon, and that's go in the strength you have. Apollos didn't know a lot, but what he did know, he shared it with enthusiasm, accuracy, and boldness. And in doing so, Priscilla and Aquila saw him and took him aside and and told him everything else that he needed to know. And so there's a, a beautiful thing in this idea of destiny and yes we are to be used of god and there's a purpose for our lives and there's giftings that are unique to each and every one of us but our ultimate destiny our supreme destiny is to know our god that is it that is the foundation and every bit of what comes after that is simply an offshoot of the revelation of who the persons of the godhead are the person of the father the person of the son the person of the holy spirit Our ultimate destiny is to know them and be known by them. And then the offshoots of that are, God, how do you want to use me in this day? How do you desire to use me for the furthering of your kingdom? And uh, it just all comes back to trusting him, trusting that you don't have to do it alone. Just as he walked with Jeremiah through that vision, he will walk with you as you begin to seek out what he has for your life. Um, and then it comes to engaging in that destiny every single day, no matter what it looks like, even if it looks like ordinary work, you know, in the old Testament, they talked about honoring the Sabbath and, um, Moses said, you have six other days for your ordinary work. You know, sometimes we just have ordinary work, but it's, if it's done as unto the Lord, it can be used for his, his glory and for his kingdom. And then the last part is to just dream with God. You know, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can engage with destiny and with the purposes of God on a daily basis. And lastly, dream. Ask him for the impossible. Ask him to to see heaven come down in your city, to come down in your relationships, come down in your family. And um, it, it excites me to no end. I could talk about this all day, which I probably shouldn't, but destiny is such a beautiful thing. And it will open up so many doors for the believer to just be engaged with who they were created to be on a daily basis so i encourage everybody that is listening or watching to just ask the lord today if you don't know how he desires to use you ask him he will show you just as he showed jeremiah what it looks like to start in the strength you have and to continue on in the strength he has so that is all that is all i've got for you today
0: (laughs) so good woo, fire i love the way that you um are able to like illustrate things like uh, Mm -hmm. The whole field thing just blew my mind. I'm over here. Like, it's like it's so prophetic. Like I I just gotta say, I think Love you're it. seeing um like with the seed and the the harvest, and you're like able to go in the perspective of the farmer. That's an, an incredible gift that you have. Um, I wish I had it. <laughs> Not I'm oh, envious. Stop. I'm an envious person. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, there so. are things in
1: you I bet I wish I had too. Come
0: Feels on, so somebody. Good. Feels so, good. so um I wanted to like I wanted to ask you, like, what is your story? So you're you're planning a church this month, and a lot of people are probably like, going to wonder, like, what is Carissa Jenkins' story?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I grew up in a pastor's home, which is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I was given every opportunity to know the person of Jesus, to know the Father, to know the Holy Spirit. And um, as I started to kind of get toward career age and you know graduating high school and finding out what I wanted to do with my life, um, I had so many aspirations, you know, mm-hmm. like, Oh, um, I was a musical theater kid, big surprise. Um, and I thought I'm going to go out to LA. I'm going to go be an actress, singer lady, and I will be awesome. And this will make everything make sense. And then I, I kind of mold on that for a little while. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm a huge sports fan, massive St. Louis Rams fan are now, the LA Rams, which I've had to follow over. Um, And I've always loved performing and communicating and I love writing. So I thought I'll be a sportscaster. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. I lived near St. Louis at the time. I was a season ticket holder. I went to every home game. Um, I knew people that were very well connected in the organization. And I thought, okay, I'll go to university. I'll get my degrees and I'll come back and trust that maybe I can be, you know, sportscaster in this area. Mm -hmm. And I ran from this purpose for so long and I knew that I was going to end up at Bible school. I just knew it. And thank God I did. Cause that's where I met my wonderful husband. And truly, I don't believe I would be walking in the season I am or in the, the dreams that are being fulfilled to the degree that I am, if it wasn't for my husband,
0: wow. um,
1: because he has been such a, uh, he's pulled me out of my comfort zone so far, you know, I thought I knew what I wanted, uh, in my life. And I thought I knew the kind of person I would end up with. And I thought I'd end up with someone very much like me, you know? uh a little quieter a little more to themselves and then i met taylor jenkins who's like a wild stallion of a human and every dream that i say quietly he like puts a megaphone next to like he's wow. challenged me and encouraged me in the gifts on my life and although i think i could have ended up anywhere doing anything i think god's best was crossing my paths with my husband and mm-hmm. uh allowing our gifts to be used by god and so um i went out to bible school you know met my husband. Um, We were young adult pastors out in Tulsa. We lived in Tulsa for six years. um, before The Lord called us out here to Chattanooga uh, almost four years ago. And we didn't really know why he called us out here. Um, We believed one day we could plant a church, um, but we were very careful to not just assume. Um, I think some people do get in trouble when they just kind of assume, and then they begin to act on something and they're like, well, God told me, and then it turns out he didn't. And then we unfortunately make God look like he's double-minded. So we tried to be very careful to not rush into anything. And, um, coming out here, the Lord has just in these last, even just over this last year has just peeled back so many, um, of our own, uh, preferences and our own ways of doing things and has just retaught us everything that he's desiring to do in the earth to the the highest degree that we can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, and just learning to partner with what he's doing that we don't have to conjure something up. We don't have to make something happen. We can just join in with the song of heaven. And so, um, for me personally, you know, it was an interesting journey coming to, um, really accepting the destiny I knew God had on my life and the purpose in it. Um, even we've talked about just like accepting like prophetic ministry and how that can be kind of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me in that, and then I'll stop after that. Cause I can talk about that for a long time too. Um, I always thought I was a teacher. I, I love expounding on the word. I love taking a verse and just sitting with it, meditating on it. So I assumed that I was the teacher. I assumed that was the office in which I was called. And um, as I began to kind of walk out this journey with the Lord a couple of years ago, I was given a word that I was called prophetic ministry. And I was like, that doesn't seem right because prophets are very serious and stoic. And, um, I don't know. I just, I didn't see myself that way. I didn't think I really fit that mold. And, um, the Lord began to bring people around my path that were very prophetic. My older sister being one of them, the main one, and, um, hearing some of her experiences and and reading different books by other people that operate from that place. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's like, Oh, you think like me, like, oh, I didn't realize when I saw pictures like that, God was trying to speak to me. I just thought it was like my imagination. I thought I just, oh, that thought was random. Um, But this this journey to to where I am today and engaging with the destiny on my life to the degree that I can, um, it really did not come without a fight. It didn't come without um, time to be confused uh, between purpose or ease. It didn't come without moments of wanting to give up because I didn't see the harvest. Um, But I think the one saving grace in getting from point A to point B was um, finding a lot of joy and knowing that my life was not my own Um, and that it took a lot of pressure off of me to figure it all out and to know it all. So I know that's a very big answer, but getting from A to B for me was really just uh, learning to rely on the Lord regardless of what I saw.
0: That's, That's really good. I think that that is something I've been trying to do since I rededicated my life to him you know is just obeying where he leads me you know like um everywhere I go like I was I was driving down the road last night after work it was 11 o'clock and I was like I'm gonna go home get in bed finish this last assignment and go to sleep and as I was doing I was listening to some worship and then I just heard the Lord tell me no I need you to write a sermon and record it tonight and I was like no, <laughs> you know, yeah, so then help. you're like, you're like, uh, yeah, God, no, I'm I'm going to go to bed. But it's like, I believe that each time we act on obedience with the Lord, like our relationship with him grows. Yeah. And so even when we sacrifice our time, our money, our energy, you know, um, like that's all, all a part of actually developing a relationship. Like when you think about if you're going to build a relationship with your kids, uh, you have to sacrifice your time, your energy, you know, you know, that your, your money, like all those things, you know, relationships aren't free. I mean, yeah. we, we can have a, we have free salvation, like through accepting him, but even that's not, not free. You know, we have to give up our life. Um, Pep Roby, our teacher for Novus, he, he said something that really caught, caught my eye. He said, uh, in a gang, you get jumped into the gang In God's gang, you give your life for it. Yes. So, um, okay like so it, i believe that's like huge so when you talk about destiny like mm-hmm. um i think we all can find purpose and destiny in god and mm-hmm. as he unravels it i think it's super important to be obedient and um surrender your time your all these things you know you got you have to to build it you know to build that relationship otherwise you'll just get stuck on this uh minimal um You'll, you'll only, you won't. So there's a certain level of God to get, to understand you have to go deeper. And so I think that if we, if we can, if we, a lot of Christians are only scratching the surface, you know, they, they say I'm a Christian, but like, and there's no judgment, you know, everybody's working on themselves and walking with God. He's working this out with everybody. But some people say like, I'm a Christian and I, I go to church once a month, you know, and I hear from God through the pastor, um, But like you have the ability to hear from him and we yeah. all do. And uh, I think it's super important to host that, you know, to, uh, to honor it. You know, um, yeah. he doesn't give gifts for no reason. He gives them with purpose. Yeah. And so he gave us the gift of relationship and we should take full advantage of it. Um, so which okay. leads me like to talk to you like as this. This wonderful gift of building a relationship with him, like how has God revealed himself the most to you?
1: Ooh, for me, it, it was always, I really uh, sensed the Lord the most um, in times of encounter, which is, you know, I think we can all say we've sensed him in times of encounter. Yeah. Um, for yeah. me, I've always felt things very deeply, um, almost to a detriment. I was a very emotional young child. I cried about absolutely everything. Um, but I remember these encounters with the Lord that happened in my heart in moments of his presence just being so strong. Um, whether it's in worship or in, you know, your own private uh-huh. time with the Lord. Um, it had always kind of been these encounter moments as well as uh, I'm a big meditator of scripture. Um, uh-huh. I, it's like, I always say it like this. If you're walking through grass and you like trip over something, oftentimes you go back and like, what was that? Like, was it a rock? Was it a piece of trash? Like uh-huh. when I'm walking through scripture, if something kind of catches my stride, I'll just sit on it for a while and be like, okay, uh-huh. what is this? Like, Um, I lovingly throw it into the crock pot, let it cook low and slow, you know, let God bring the revelation of what he's trying to get across to me. And, um, so I'd always had those experiences of God showing himself to me and revealing himself to me through these moments of deep, um, encounter, not like a, not just like, oh, uh, like an ooey gooey heart, but just sensing the presence of God and then communing in his word and meditating, but over the last couple of years, it's really been more a mix of meditating on his word and dreams. Mm-hmm. And I was never the kind of person that had dreams that, uh, meant a whole lot. Um, or at least I didn't think I was. And, uh, about a year or a year and a half ago, we were doing a workshop, um, about uh, youth awakening and we had on some youth pastors and we were just talking about like Gen Z, what God wants to do in the church through that generation. And, um, Somebody in it, I forget who it was, if it was Taylor or if it was one of the pastors, but they had a word that there would be an increase in dreams. And even as I heard it, like I received it, I was like, oh yes, like I received that. You never wanna, you know, it's like walking by free samples in like yeah. or Costco. You're like, I'm not gonna turn that down. No. Sure, I'll take it. But I wasn't really sold that it was for me. And um, my husband and I walked through a pretty wild season. Um more recently just kind of some circumstances outside of our home um i thank god that you know our our family was good and our our marriage which was good but there's some um outside circumstances that were just really wild taking place in our life and um the lord began to speak to me in unconventional ways because my like receptors were blocked mm-hmm. uh, i think sometimes we just assume that god know that we know how god's going to speak to us but in the chaos of life and in those moments of the wind and the waves taking our attention off jesus it's easy for our channels to get blocked yeah. and the Lord and his grace will try to circumvent that and still get to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in kind of a, a season of intense, um, just intensity. And I felt like my time in the word and meditating on scripture wasn't as fruitful or easy flowing as it had been. And I wasn't having those same encounters with God on like a heart level as I had years before, but I started to get these dreams And they didn't always strike me as God. It wasn't like I had a vision of Jesus or, um, you know, I saw a person and I had like a prophetic word. And then the next day I saw them, it was like these heavenly realities. It was like parables. I was like dreaming parables and it was through experiences that I was having in my own life. And I began to talk with my sister who's very prophetic and who's always just been a pillar in my life. And we just began to kind of seek the Lord on what these dreams meant. And um, I think for me, most recently in these last couple of years, the Lord has spoke to me and revealed himself the most to me through dreams. And um, I will say, you know, I'll tack onto that. We can have dreams, but they have to line up with the word of God. Um, I can have encounters with God that come through dreams, but if if I can't find it in here, it's worthless. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people base their whole theology off of experiences and off dreams. And I've seen people get really, really far off and into some really bad stuff by doing that. And so as much as I've seen the Lord show himself to me through dreams, everything has to be anchored in this. Otherwise it's nothing to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I could have a dream about Jesus telling me to do X, Y, Z. And if it's not something that lines up with the word of God and his nature, then it doesn't matter. The circumstances of the dream, it is, this is the ultimate authority. And so um, for me, he's really revealed himself just through uh, learning his voice in different ways. And I think Mm -hmm. for me, most recently, that's been in dreams.
0: That's really cool. I I think that everyone experiences that when you, when you are diving into the Bible, um, and diving into those encounters with him, that there's dry seasons, um, you know, but something that I've realized with, with God is during those dry seasons, it's like a dam that later on it breaks and the flood comes and it's like a flood, you know, and you're just like, hit with him and you're on the ground (laughs) and that and I think those are um important you know and I think sometimes we put ourselves in those dry seasons you know Mm kind of like um we build the dam through hurt you know like a lot of people like I'll, we should talk about this uh church hurt I think that you could easily build a dam between you and God through church hurt you know you could blame God for um pastoral failures, you know, um, what would you say to someone who's like struggling with that right now?
1: Yes. My, my thought toward that, I think sometimes when we come into a place of, uh, having spiritual leadership over us, we can kind of look to them as an in-between between us and God. Um, and there are people that are, you know, graced and anointed to lead people. And that might be more seasoned in the Lord than us. So we should absolutely draw on those people. Mm -hmm. But, um, for those that have experienced some hurt by a leader or through church, my recommendation to you would be learn how to, to come ask the Lord, how to come out underneath that experience and see him for who he is right now. Uh Um, I know some people who have been through church hurt to such a degree, that they just throw the baby out with the bathwater. They had a bad experience with a pastor or a ministry and they just, they're deconstructing. They don't, they don't want to live this life of faith. They don't want to lay their life down at the feet of Jesus. And I think that sometimes because we have an unhealthy connection and we put someone between us and God to a degree that God does not desire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that very carefully because there is a, a divine place for accountability and community in the kingdom of God. Um, If I did not have people that were more seasoned than myself to pull on, I would be just flying blind just by my own experiences. And so the, the like fragrance of uh, grace is all over accountability because it gives you perspectives you didn't have to earn. Um, So I say that very carefully because I do believe that God, God puts people in leadership to help you further and they call you higher in God. But I think sometimes when people experience hurt, they kind of put the person who hurt them in between them and God. And it creates that, like you were saying, damn, and they can't get through to the presence. They can't get into that place of healing because they associate their time with the Lord with a time that was hard for them. And so my encouragement to somebody who has walked through that is to ask the Lord, how can I come out from underneath that season and see you for who you really are right now? Um, Because if we're not careful, we'll begin to associate a good father with bad leadership. And that is never... uh, That goes against his nature. He can't be a bad leader. He's a good father. And so uh, getting out from underneath that and asking the Lord to heal you, inviting him into the hurt and telling him that you just want him to to get up close. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the word is described as like a salve, like a healing ointment. Get in the word and remove every experience that gave you a bad taste of who God is and ask him to take you out from under the spout of hurt and just cover you with his grace.
0: Wow wow that was good okay um so where was I going okay and i think that as leaders you know um in the church i mean i think i think a lot of leaders face a lot of temptation and a lot of um you know the enemy will attack the leader first because he knows that if he can take them down and separate them from god and get us to turn on them or something like that happens it'll it'll destroy the people under them so you know it'll it will make them build dams and i think that the enemy tries to twist our free will against us
1: yeah.
0: um that's real and i i've seen it firsthand like it, it it's it's unnecessary so like fighting that as a leader you know um how would how would what would you say to a leader that's like fighting t- temptation right now
1: For me, you know, I would begin to look at, um, I think back to, uh, when Nehemiah had to go and repair the wall in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. he had to see the places that were, that there was no wall at all and places where there were breaches. Um, so he knew how to build it more effectively. I think if we're a leader and we're struggling, we need to start examining the walls around our spirit, where there is no wall and where there's been breaches so that we can Mm -hmm. safeguard those. Um, there are things that you may have been tempted by in the past or, um, things that have just always kind of run in your family, um, that you feel like you had no protection over. Maybe there's like a generational curse and you felt like your wall was just clean open for the Lord or for the devil rather to come in and try to tempt you with it. Or maybe there's places, there's breaches in the wall where we've simply given our agreement over to things that are not God's best. Mm -hmm. Um, My advice to the leader would be to kind of zoom out and ask the Holy Spirit, um, show me the places where my wall is gone and where there are breaches, because a breach becomes nothing very quickly. And so we need to treat it instead of walking on a sprain, let's go ahead and get it fixed before it becomes a break. And Mm so uh, my encouragement would be invite the Holy Spirit into the places where you want to hide the most because he sees them already. Mm -hmm. And begin to shine light on dark places, because once you do, they can't be dark anymore. Um, If I turn all the lights off in my house and I take a flashlight to the darkest corner, it is now the lightest corner in the house. And so places that are in us that we, we try to hide from the Lord, these struggles, these temptations, he already sees them and he already still loves us, but there's a greater level of living that he desires us to come up to. So I would encourage the leader to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, shine your light on the places that I'm hiding the most. Yeah. Shine your light on the breaches in my wall and ask him to begin to shore up those places. Yeah. Um, I see like, you know, when uh, a hurricane comes, people board up their windows and they they put up plywood over their doors. Accountability and community will safeguard you from temptation mm. in so many ways. Um, accountability for me looks like, people who have been around the block a couple of times that know more than I do, that I can be really honest with. And community to me looks like people who are around me that we are all seeking after the same thing. So if you're a leader and you're kind of dealing with temptation um, and you're, you're dealing with uh, attacks from the enemy that you want to just kind of give into the flesh on shine, the light of the Holy spirit on them. Ask him to come in and help you shore up that resolve and then surround yourself with people that will not allow you to live underneath that level of glory. Uh, People that will not allow you to walk into a temptation that will hurt you. Um, Surround yourself with people who have been there and back that can tell you it's so much better to be on the outside of temptation than right in the middle of it. And so my, I will like preach on accountability and Mm community community Until I run out of breath, because I've seen people who have neither and they get into really dark and far off places. And at that point, the grace of God can still get them, but we don't have to wait till we get to that point to uh, employ the grace of God in our lives.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, So good, Chris. Oh oh my gosh. Okay. So before we go, um, I wanted to ask you what is one thing you want to see the Lord do in Chattanooga? Man, I could
1: just cry. Um, I want to see healings like I want to see healings like happening on street corners. I want to see, you know, um, dad Hagan, Kenneth E Hagan. He said that healing is the dinner bell for salvation. Um, when people begin to see healings break out, they're like, Oh, I want what is happening here. They see God move and break into our daily lives and, and bring life where there was once death. Um, if I want God to do one thing in Chattanooga, I want him to just begin to break out in healings Mm -hmm. because I think that is the, the pipe from the heart of the father that just flows out into every part of creation. Mm -hmm. Um, It says that Jesus was moved with compassion to heal the sick. It moves the heart of God to bring healing to people. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think
1: when we talk about revival in a city and revival, uh, renewing a city that comes from that pipe of the father's heart that is moved with compassion for his people to call them to a higher way of living, a higher standard of living. And so for me, the thought of seeing Chattanooga is a place where people come with an illness and they leave without it. That gets me so excited because that's, that's the heart of God that people come into his presence and into the places in which He dwells and they leave entirely new, they leave entirely recovered. And so, you know, me and my husband, we have a very strong desire to see, Uh, a move of the spirit, a move of renewal. And I think in that it is just primed for miracles, the atmosphere Mm -hmm. that is wholly surrendered to the Lord for the sake of him and him alone. It's like, it creates a vacuum for miracles. It creates Mm -hmm. a vacuum for healing because there's such a pull. There's such a draw for the supernatural. And so for me, what I want to see in Chattanooga, I want to see the great physician on the streets I I don't want us to keep healing in this reality of healing in the church. I want us to be in the streets proclaiming that Jesus still heals and that he still brings about wholeness. Mm -hmm. Um, Because truly healing in the body is just a a physical representation of the wholeness that he desires we have through him alone. That our our broken experiences, our broken bodies, our, our past hurts and our past pains, he can actually heal them to where we're able to walk steady again. And so I have a big, a big passion for healing and to see the Lord break in through very mighty and uh, marking ways.
0: Mm. I think uh, something Bill Johnson says. He says he didn't say go pray for the sick. He said heal the sick, and that's 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 really big. I think that a lot of people get so nervous, like having the faith that God heals. You know, especially in Chattanooga, um, and I. Oh, I lost my train of thought. I think that I think it's gonna come with our surrender to him and um welcoming that, you know, as a church, you know, we're gonna take a lot of opposition. But I I was talking with my dad the other night about I was I was looking back at our team, the launch team we have. Okay. And um, y'all, God has created this team that I'm just looking at like we have powerhouses. Uh, and beginning stage powerhouses as well, like, like growing, <laughs> you know, um, like, what Cody and Nina, Harvest School, me and Hannah, BSSM, um, you and Taylor and Kyrie, Kyrie and uh, Liddell are uh, Rayma, you know, like, look, God's pulling it from some of the largest movements of God. and starting something in chattanooga that is gonna be the largest movement in chattanooga like god is going to flood this city with not just healings but baptisms you know um if you guys want to come january 29th you know we i I don't know if we landed on the Coolidge park uh uh, destination we're still looking at it hoping for it but we like i we've been seeing like prophetic vision of just like um like people getting baptized in the river you know, and when you look at like the first revival in uh, the United States, um, I think it was called, oh, I forgot the name of it. Anyways, um, they were baptizing them in the river, and there's just thousands, there's photos of people, thousands of people getting baptized. Like that's what I just see the Lord doing in Chattanooga. Um, and when they come out of the water, I just see like prophetically, I see healings taking place as soon as they come out. Like people who are in wheelchairs are getting baptized in spirit and walking out of the river so I just see that and like when I look at that like visually I just see local church covering it you know um, and I'm just so like I told Taylor like so honored to be a part of it um, and so I'd love for you to pray like over the Novus church family but I believe that a lot of local church family and novice church family are the same like I really see the Lord doing a bonding between the two of like i'm surrendering to you um and y'all are like we're just like surrendering to each other and it's turning into this union where uh we're going to unite to not only have a revival breakout online but Mm -hmm. in chattanooga and i just see the lord doing that so i'd love for you to pray over everybody watching
1: let's do it oh holy spirit come Mm -hmm. you are so welcome in this space and in our lives I pray that as we begin to surrender our lives on a daily basis, that, Lord, you would show yourself in every uh, detail of what you've asked us to do. I thank you, Lord, in these days, every son and daughter will be equipped and they'll be able to start in the strength they have to go out into the spaces that you've commissioned them for. And Father, I thank you for a great wave of effectiveness coming over people. I just sense that there are some people that are stepping out into those giftings and callings in their lives, be it uh, teaching, pastoring, prophecy, evangelizing, whatever, whatever that is. I see people beginning to step out. I just thank you for a great wave of effectiveness in mm-hmm. that space, that Lord, you would begin to surround people with accountability and community that uh, reposition their gaze heavenward every single day. That, Father, you would begin to tap on our hearts, draw on our hearts to to desire the things only you desire, to be motivated by the things only you are motivated by. Father, help us to to seek you alone, to consecrate our entire existence, to want you and nothing else. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, in this season, I pray that you would continue to touch your church. That, Father, it said in your word that you would build your church. So, Mm -hmm. Father, we just thank you that you'll continue to do the building. And Father, in our obedience, we desire to partner with what you're doing and in our endeavors to please you and do what you've asked us to do, Father, begin to show us the places and the spaces in which you've called us to be influential and effective in. And when we arrive to those places, I thank you, Lord, that our yes will always be on our lips. And that, Father, everything at the end of the day, at the end of eternity, it is all from you and unto you. And so we just bless you, Lord. We honor you, and we lay our lives down daily as a living sacrifice for your purposes.
0: Whoa. Amen. Yes. Amen. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. We love you guys. Have a great day. Bye. Yes. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.